So that was not what I was expecting. Yeah, that was, um, that sure was something. It sure was. I, I was not expecting that. So listeners, welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over, even though we've long ago gone insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon, and today we watched The Glass Slipper from 1938, which is now in my mind just the Mae West Cinderella for reasons that will become clear at a later juncture. Yeah, this was animated by the... Terry uh, Toons. Terry Toons. I wanted to say Tiny Toons. That wasn't it. All right. This was animated by the Tiny Toons, folks. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I, my brain is mush. My brain has turned to oatmeal. I can't even process what we just saw. Take your time. It's been a, it's been difficult. Yeah. Okay. So this rendition was animated by the good folks at Terry Tunes. It is in Technicolor. We open on sort of a Gothic font for reasons that will be relevant painfully soon. We'd like to point out that these are the same people who made the Mighty Mouse cartoon. And that's all I knew going in. I did not read the synopsis. Neither did I. And I don't know that it would have helped. In fact, I, you know, if this is something that you want to see spoiler free, I, I would pause this podcast now and I would go watch it. If you want to remain pure and just empty of all knowledge before you see this. I do recommend that as an experience. No, I, I don't recommend that. That's trauma. I, I, I cannot endorse that recommendation. I just think if you're feeling curious about this, maybe just hit pause, go watch it, come back to us in a minute. It's literally in, in seven minutes. It's literally seven minutes long. I guess I think it just depends on whether or not you're the type of listener who likes roller coasters. I hate roller coasters. I did not have a good time. So we open on a title card right after the Cinderella Terry Tunes whatever thing that says, in compiling the facts for this authentic version of the story of, quote, poor Cinderella, we acknowledge our indebtedness to the American Institute of Arts and Letters. I have to break this down for a little bit because part of the reason this took me so long to get through was that I fell into a couple of rabbit holes and one of them was the American Institute of Arts and Letters. Incredible. Uh, my only note on this is, listeners, it's a trick. This is tricking you. That is true, yeah. I was alarmed when I saw the words poor Cinderella because that is the title of the Betty Boop Cinderella. And this is called The Glass Slipper. This is when I felt my first inklings of alarm at the words poor Cinderella. Now, the American Institute of Arts and Letters is a 250-member honor society whose goal it is to, quote, foster, assist, and sustain excellence in American literature, music, and art. It was founded in 1865 in Boston. What I would like to know is what happened? What happened? This is like being thanked by a hate group. I just... What happened? Oh... Do you think they were trying to get in and this was their version oh. of sucking up? Yeah, okay, that would make sense because this this was um this was a punishment for everyone. I quite liked it. Wow. So we in a recent episode we had our biggest disparity, uh two whole letter grades of difference of experience. I'm really concerned about if we're gonna break that record here. I do not claim that it was a good Okay animation this is an animation by the way in case we weren't clear on that it's so heavily animated it's extra animated it's like two cartoons in one maybe even three so um talon can you can you discuss the the framing device through which we endure <laughs> this story the timeline is actually very clever we see cinderella calling her friend sadie and telling her the entire Cinderella story starting with the night of the ball. And then it catches up right before the shoe trying on bit. And then we see it kind of in real time. It's a very good structure. I think that's very clever. 
we see Cinderella in a vignette. She looks like somebody tried to draw Betty Boop in an upsettingly human style. Yes, they uh, very clearly just tried to do Betty Boop. Her face is not heart-shaped enough and her hair is not spiky in the little pixie curly cues way that, that Betty Boop has. Her hair is black and short and front combed. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it's not good. I got bad Uncanny Valley vibes from her because she was just slightly overdrawn. Like they drew a little bit too many lines on her face. Yeah. And she was just constantly in motion. When we first see her, she's blinking very aggressively. Oh, she's blinking like she's a stepsister and a stepsister and a Roger and Hammerstein film, and she's trying to explain to her stepmother how she's going to attract the prince. That's that's my literal note. It was very intense. Yeah. She's holding a little old timey phone where there's the standy bit and then the bit that you hold to your ear. I don't know what any of that's called. It's one of those old ones with a separate mouthpiece and a separate earpiece. Oh, that sounds fancier. We'll use that. (laughs) There's a name for them and probably, and I don't know what they are, but they're those old timey phones with the separate mouthpieces. So she goes, hello, hello, is this you, Sadie? And then the circle shrinks and there's darkness and you see phone towers with phone lines connecting them and another circle appears and it's her friend Sadie who's this big blonde lady with the phone and she's in bed. And she goes, yes, this is Sadie, who's this? And then Cinderella goes, this is Cinderella, Sadie. We're blinking. So sorry. She goes, yes, this is me. She doesn't say, yes, this is Sadie. Sadie answers the phone with, yes, this is me, which I just want to say, yes, this is me is always true. <laughs> I, I had to re-listen to that a couple of times because the first time I wanted to autocorrect it to, this is she, which is how all of my aunts and female cousins answer the phone if you call and ask if it's them. But no, Sadie just goes, this is me. That's incredible. Yep. The power the confidence. I exist. So Cinderella is talking in a very over-the-top Brooklyn accent, and it is a very Betty Boop accent. Very clearly Betty Boop. She says Goyle at one point instead of girl. I love it. I think it's very charming. So she goes, this is Cinderella, Sadie, and then blinks a lot more, and then says, you know what? And her friend goes, no, what? with not a lot of enthusiasm. Sadie is in bed. Sadie has been woken up and Sadie would like to go back to sleep. <laughs> I find Sadie compelling. Well, get a load of this. You know what jealous cats those sisters of mine are? Well, they were invited to the King's Ball last night. And then we fade to the past of last night. Yes. <laughs> and the stepsisters are quite literally the stepsisters from Betty Boop. They are tall and kind of wiggly they're a little bit popeye shaped with large hands and forearms they have big long noses their hair is getting ready for the ball so it's up in three mohawk style braid spikes braids braid spikes thank you i'm not quite sure what they're going for with it they are identical twins they're sitting back to back look facing identical mirrors and they are proceeding to get ready for the ball. One of them puts on a wig and calls for Cinderella, who we see is scrubbing a floor on her hands and knees. We see later that this is a stone floor, but the way it's drawn in this scene, it looks like a dirt floor. So I was just annoyed, but it doesn't matter. The stepsisters' voices, again, are very shrill and very nasally, and they call her again, and Cinderella hears them this time and flings her brush down in annoyance. And Cinderella, now we get a chance to see her full body standing. And her body is disturbingly childlike. It's got the chubby legs and the chubby knees. And it's not that she's a chubby person, it's just the way that children are proportioned where their torsos are just more of their body because they're tiny and they're not finished growing yet. She looked just physically body-wise like she was maybe... 10, 9, not not an adult. It's interesting you say that because I have the same note, but much later on. Okay, I noticed it right away because in when we see her on her hands and knees, it's the same scene that we saw in the Betty Boop Cinderella. 
And apart from her hair not being Betty Boop and her head being more reasonably proportioned and less heart-shaped, she's definitely just moving and being animated like Betty Boop. But then she stands up and uh, Betty Boop is a hourglass figured pinpoint feet bombshell. And this is a child. I hated it. I did not like it. <laughs> I also did not like that she responds to her sister to the stepsisters as what is it, sister dear? Nope. Hated that. It was weird. So she helps her stepsister button the dress with a dress button device. That oh, it's an old, was neat. It's an old fashioned button hook. And I was so pleased that they use it because people used to use those for doing up a whole bunch of buttons on your boots. If you had riding boots that would have 30 buttons that were all smaller than a pinky nail, just itty bitty. There's no way you could go through and do all of them. So they made little devices to rapidly hook a bunch of buttons. And that made me happy. I thought that was neat. Yeah. Uh, the stepsisters are dressing in sort of French right before the revolution styles of clothes. Um, they're wearing purple wigs. Their dresses are a blue bodice with a very wide voluminous yellow skirt with a blue sort of ribbon trim at the bottom of it. It's a cute dress. I would like to point out that they did not have phones during that time. So either they're going to a costume party or there are some time travel shenanigans. Both of those are viable options. We've seen both of those things happen in That's Cinderella. That's true, we have. We've seen time travel I hate that. and a costume ball. So it could be either. So Cinderella asks, can I come too? And the stepsister laughs and says, Cinderella, you'll never come too. And Cinderella faints immediately and the stepsisters laugh and leave. We cut back to Cinderella on the phone and she, she looks very sad and she shakes her head and two identical tears go down her cheeks. And then she goes, they're water balloons. Water balloons fall out of her eyes and crash onto her shoulders. They're monstrous tears. I was more entertained that it was a single tear per eye. Okay. I thought that was very dramatic. That's fine. And Cinderella says, and there I was with nothing to wear and no invitation. So you know what? Her friend Sadie is now full on laying in bed with the phone just propped up on her shoulder, and she goes, no, what? I know you won't believe me, Sadie, but this is actually what happened. All right. So <laughs> we cut back to exactly when we stopped. Cinderella is scrubbing the floor again, and now we can see that it's a stone floor, so I was less angry about it. And a tornado of smoke and clouds appears next to her. Much like um, a genie. Much like a genie would. And the smoke clears... And Mae West is standing there. Not just somebody who looks like Mae West or inspired by Mae West. It's just Mae West. It's, it's literally Mae West. She is wearing her iconic uh, skin-tight pink gown with a fishtail skirt, this big white fur collar wrap thing, this pointy umbrella that she's using as a walking stick, this big massive hat with feathers. This is iconic Mae West. I did have to look this up. This was not voiced by Mae West, but it was voiced by somebody who was doing a really good impersonation of Mae West. So you forgot a key detail. She, well, she also has in this has small butterfly wings. They're not big butterfly wings. They're rather medium size. Yeah, they're they're decorative. They're not even butterfly wings because butterfly wings have sort of a distinct four lobe kind of thing going on. She's just wearing. Uh, triangles with a squiggly base uh, that are sort of orange and red with a yellow lining. They are incredibly unrealistic wings. They are the worst wings I think I've seen on a fairy godmother. I have in my notes, she bounces Mae Westily. Um, yes, I have that in my notes too. There's no other way to describe the way that Mae West locomotes. It's very heavy on the hips and on the shoulders, and it's very... Uh, suggestive and she says everything it's completely innocuous but she says everything with just this inflection if you've never heard Mae West actually speak go google best of Mae West it, there's a couple of videos on YouTube that are two minutes long and they're just iconic 
And so Mae West goes, hello, dearie. I'm your fairy godmother. You want something to wear to the ball. I was not prepared for Mae West to be in this. Of all the things that I was not prepared for, it was Mae West. You know, I, I pretty much braced myself against, okay, a wolf could appear at any moment in a Cinderella. Even a mighty mouse could even appear. A, even but we a would mouse, be warned ahead of time. Even a mouse on skis might appear from the heavens. Freddie Bartholomew could show up out of nowhere and just aggressively quote Shakespeare to me. But no, I was not prepared for Mae West even a little bit. So all the time that she's speaking, Mae West, again, is just gyrating. And she occasionally strikes a pose for emphasis. It's sort of like the sensations, just a dramatic pose, flounce, flounce, pose dramatically. She's never still on the screen. And Cinderella responds, something cute in a size 14, please. Which I just want to point out, I love the way that women's clothes sizes have changed through time because it's just made up numbers they might as well just make up words now because the numbers don't mean anything and I hate it um this is where I had my note about her age because she doesn't look like a size 14 to me in like current measurements so I was wondering what that meant in the 30s and whether she was a child let me look something up real quick Um, because she might be a size 14 in a children's So the other reason I think that Cinderella might be meant to be a child is because she's at the height of Mae West and she has much bigger eyes and much rounder face. That is true. So standing next to Mae West specifically, she does look like she might be a child. Okay, so based on some just very preliminary Googling, sizes weren't a common thing because... Clothes, clothes didn't come in sizes. They were made for you or you'd make them yourself or you would buy something sort of ready-made and then you would tailor it to fit yourself. Um, however, things did start to have sizes in the 30s and some articles say that sizing was based off of ages. So a size 14 to 18 would be for girls 14 to 18 but another article is saying that it was based on half the bust size so if you had a 36 bust you'd wear a size 18 but then marketing rapidly figured out that women don't like big numbers so according to a serious 1937 catalog a woman with a 32 inch bust would have worn a size 14 1937 is really close to 1938 so we're going to assume that cinderella has a 32 inch bust in 1967, that someone would have worn a size eight. In 2011, she'd wear a size zero. So yeah, women's clothing is misogynistic and I hate the way that we do sizes because men can just roll in and go, I've got a 32 inch waist with an inseam of 30 and all those pants will fit them. And I hate it. I mean, I'm happy for them. I mean, I, I, guess. I, would, just, I would just like it to be an I, option for everyone. I think they should suffer too. I think they should have sizes that go squiggle a archaic symbol. It, it, should be in, it should be in Sanskrit. Their sizes should be in ancient Sanskrit. Just what size is this? You figure it out. Is it the same from company to company? No. You're feeling very vengeful today, aren't you? I'm feeling very vengeful today. I've had a vengeful <laughs> inducing week. Oh. It's okay. Because we're doing this insane Cinderella now. I'm having a good time again. <laughs> okay, so. So do we think that Cinderella is meant to be a child? No. Because. I don't think she's meant to be a child. Because I think that the stepsisters are supposed to be comically tall. The prince is also the same height as Cinderella. And I don't think that he is intended to be a child either. I think she's pet- intended to be petite. Because. Seeing her standing next to Mae West, like their proportions are very different. Not only is she roughly half the height of Mae West, but her eyes are much larger in her face. You mentioned the roundness of her limbs before. And then the way that they drew Mae West, like she looks like an adult. Yeah, but Mae West is larger than life anyways. I don't think that's really a fair comparison. I I don't. I don't think Cinderella is a child. I think she has big eyes because that is supposed to make her seem 
innocent and sweet and I think that she is short because she's supposed to be petite and mostly I think it's to contrast with the stepsisters who are supposed to be ogreishly tall um in my defense this would not be the first time that Cinderella was literally a child yeah no I I don't want her to be a child let me be clear I would very much like her to not be a child so I'm coming up with as many arguments against her being a child as I can find and those are the best that I can come up with. Mae West, uh, who is in my notes as Mae West, not as the fairy godmother at any point. Mine too, mine too. Her umbrella transforms into a wand with a star at the end. And this happens mid-motion. She starts to raise her hand and as she's raising it, the umbrella transforms into the wand. Very cool piece of animation. And she kind of taps Cinderella on the head with it and golden sparkles are up like fireworks and then Mae West bounces in -hmm. place and Cinderella is wearing a blue dress with a gold tiara. Liv, do you want to describe the dress? Yeah, she's dressed like Snow White. She turns into Snow White. Her skirt is larger, but this is the Snow White outfit. I was surprised. I was not expecting Snow White. Later, her dress seems to be different and it has more of a sweetheart bodice, uh, curved waistline poofier skirts different colors blue she has a little golden tiara her shoes by the way are gold they're not glass right they don't look even remotely like glass they're gold they make a metallic sound they look gold they're absolutely not glass i think they're gold yes somebody missed the memo somewhere someone did uh, especially since the title of the film is the glass slipper and they are decidedly not glass so I was confused and angry. So Mae West goes, but turn in your glad rags by midnight, toots, or I'll have to charge you for another day. And then she just fades out and a big coat shaped like a pumpkin fades in. Again, we're in the living room where this happens. There's no way to exit the living room with a pumpkin coach unless you demolish a wall. This has happened multiple times now. I'm gonna have to make a list. I'm going to have to add another column to my Excel spreadsheet. The carriage, by the way, just looks like a giant pumpkin with doors and windows. It's not vaguely pumpkin inspired. It just physically is a pumpkin. Okay. I had so many mixed feelings about this. One, I really liked it. I liked the pumpkin-y way it looked. It had a pointy door with a pointy roof and it had lattice windows that had you know individually leaded panes of glass and it had a very lush interior and steps that led up into it and it came with a coachman and a footman who did not transform out of anything they just were there all of a sudden and I thought we were going to escape any animal monstrosities and it's just it's a nice coach I really liked it as a coach but why is it a pumpkin there's no reason for it to be a pumpkin. She hasn't transformed it from a pumpkin. Cinderella didn't have to go get her a pumpkin. It just appeared out of thin air. There was no reason it couldn't just appear out of thin air as a regularly shaped coach. Why well, is it a pumpkin? It's because Mae West knows that this is a Cinderella story. Does she? And it Does has she? to be a pumpkin. Or she just likes pumpkins. Or she thinks that's what carriages look like. And she just oh, did her that's, best. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So... Cinderella climbs the stairs into her little coach and the stairs get pulled up after her and we fade transition to them being on the road. And then we see that the coach is drawn by four mice and they have not transformed into horses. They're just going to keep on being mice. They are also not mouse-sized. They appear to be smaller than the humans, but definitely bigger than mice. So I would posit that they're the size of large dogs. You did that so gracefully. I fell down a really terrible rabbit hole and wound up watching the same 17 frames a dozen times. When we see the mice on the road shot, the mice are as tall as the front wheels of the coach. The front wheels of the coach are four steps up from the ground. The back wheels are about one and a half times as tall as the front wheels and reach the footman's butt. So I think the front wheel is between two and three feet tall. Which means that the mice would indeed be the size of a medium to large dog. (laughs) Your way was terrible. But that is what my brain did because I looked at those and I said, no, 
we're going to have another argument about whether those are mice-sized mice or dog-sized mice or big dog-sized mice or pony-sized mice. And I don't want to have another argument without an answer. So I'm going to go through this frame by frame and figure out exactly how big these stupid mice are, only to find out that you came to the same conclusion that I did, which was the very obvious conclusion that they're, they're dog-sized. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I literally held my fingers up to how big the mice were on my screen and then moved my hand over to where the coachman was sitting and noted that the mice were slightly smaller. I love you so much. <laughs> so the coachman whips the mice, which I still hate, and they drive up a very long, windy mountain road with no guardrails to Hogwarts. It's yeah. very spooky and backlit. It is. Although the background is actually really pretty. There's mountains in the distance and this big moon in the sky. We only see it for a split second, but the background is actually pretty lovely. When you're doing an incredibly close read on a seven-minute cartoon, you start to really appreciate the work that they put into the background, <laughs> into the scenery. Yep, but then you have to make a really firm separation in your mind of, wow, they put so much work into the background and scenery. It's so excellent. And what did I just watch? What's happening? Like those two parts of your brain have to not speak to one another. So we fade to the ball. Everybody is doing what the internet tells me is a jitterbug. It is some I just sort of- wrote, I just wrote that they're dancing very aggressively. It is. It's, a, it's an absurdly fast- I had it down Lindy originally. It could be a jitterbug or a really fast West Coast swing. It's aggressively fast West Coast swing is what it is, guys. It's just go watch a championship of fast swing. It looks like that. It's it's unreal. Um, what I noted was that they had three differently drawn couples in the foreground. Six completely separate characters with different faces and mm -hmm. hairstyles and costumes and everything and they're all older they're they all have like white hair and like white beards and mustaches and or like some of the men are balding I thought it was very cute and then in the background you have the same couple repeating over and over like in a line dancing I thought that was a very smart way to animate a ball scene where unless you're doing like an intensely close read like we are you're not going to be paying attention to background versus foreground couples yeah. And you're going to really get a sense that there's a lot of people there and that they're all different people instead of having the same person repeated over and over, which we've also seen. Yeah. So in, in Zalushka, it was very obvious that it was a room full of clones. And this was people that were all shaped at least vaguely differently. Um, I think the Russian one didn't have any people at all. It was just like a foggy gray outline. It was the uh, fake Mexican Cinderella that had the same girls going over and over. No, Zalushka also had clones. Because Zalushka had the conveyor belt of legs at the end, which went with the oh, clones yes. that we saw at the dance. Yes, you're right, yes. you're right. So those both had clones. Um, but these are different people. Most of the men appear to be in a military dress. Some people have regular proportions. Some dramatically don't. Which leads us to our first dancing cameo, which I don't know why it was there. We watch a very large woman from the back. She's dancing. And as she turns, we see that she's dancing with three small page boys. Why? Who knows? But we can't linger on that because now we're looking at two suits of armor who have suddenly started to dance, which is bad enough because we thought that they might be knights in there and that was unpleasant. But then their top halves disengage from their bottom halves still dancing. They dance and they're clapping clownishly like seals the entire time. And then the halves dance around a pillar and reattach to the other one. Guys, if I'm not painting a clear picture, it's because I watched chaos. I looked into the mind of the abyss and this is what happened. And I don't have better words, guys. I really, I'm trying my best. I assume that there were ghosts that lived in the castle and they were possessing some suits of armor so that they could dance too. And then they just kind of switched. I thought it was very nice. We had a very different experience. I had a good time. I had such we a bad then time. See, <laughs> we then see the two stepsisters and they're dancing together and they're kind of holding each other like you would see in a waltz. But then they do this aggressive pushing both fists down and up motion yeah. while standing side to side. And they alternate doing that for a while 
And it's very like, it's very silly. So they're drawn as gangly and pointy nosed, but they're, they're smiling at one another and they seem to be having a genuinely good time. And the only thing, the only bad thing we've seen them do is ask for help buttoning up the back of one of the sisters' dresses and Cinderella described them as jealous. Well, and they also said, Cinderella, you'll never come to. So they- Oh, you're right, they did. Yeah, so we've seen them be mean, but they appear to be having a good time at this ball. They're- At least they have each other. Yeah. They dance over to two gentlemen. Who look like pirates. I spent a long time describing these guys. Oh, good, Um, good, please. So they dance over to them and sort of give them smiles and simultaneous thumbs over the shoulders, clearly indicating, hey, fellas, come have a good time with us, presumably through dancing, although with a movie that has my Western, who even knows? These guys, though, man. Okay, so one of them was wearing a white curly barrister wig with red regimentals and a black cockade hat um, a la Napoleon Bonaparte. He is taller. He's the taller of the two gentlemen. He's very spindly. He has small, rickety shoulders and he's knock-kneed and he's got a saggy paunch. Uh, he's got a little mustache and his nose is ridiculously pointy and red and he's wearing glasses. The second fellow is wearing a large green overcoat with a big brown sash and folded down boots that are kind of party boots, but he's got this huge pot belly. He's shaped like a pear and this big red nose. He looks like Grumpy from Snow White. And they both vehemently refuse the stepsister's invitation to go enjoy the ball with them. The older one looks terrified. The shorter one looks physically ill. They look at one another in terror. And the shorter one physically pinches his nose and waves his hand in front of his nose as though they smell bad, which like rude. You two are definitively not a catch. You two are not a catch. You don't have the right to turn your nose up at anybody, my dude. So then we see a guard with a trumpet and he blows into it and his upper body was very puffed up and all of the air from it kind of inflates his shorts instead and the top of his body deflates. But thankfully the shorts stay on. We were both really concerned for a second, but it was okay. This movie didn't didn't have any pants issues. No. Uh, so the trumpet hits him on the head and then the announcer guy just yells, Cinderella, uh, without any other kind of preface or anything. Preface? Yeah. Preface. Preface. Cinderella walks in and her arms are up and her fingers are moving like she's running through spiderwebs. She's doing that very like cheesy princess hand motions that got made fun of in Enchanted. She's just sort of hand flailing. She's accompanied by tinkly bell music. And again, I want to emphasize, she really is just dressed like Snow White, but with a bigger skirt. So she looks to her right and to her left and then picks up her skirt to curtsy. And we see that she's wearing the original Betty Boot bloomers that are all ruffly and go all the way down to the ankle. Her feet now literally end in points. They, they are no longer even feet shaped. They end in a point. We see everyone else at the ball, these older couples all ooing and eyeing over her and just general murmur, 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 murmur. Oh, she's lovely. A note that I have here is the backgrounds of this ball and of this castle are really nice. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty ballroom. It's got these big vaulted ceilings with columns, the way really fancy churches and old cathedrals have. It's got sweeping staircases and pretty curtains. I I really enjoyed the background of this. I I would have enjoyed watching seven minutes of nothing happening on screen, but being able to enjoy the backgrounds. I did enjoy the music as well. So the backgrounds and the music together, that would be the ideal viewing experience. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, An old man gets very googly eyed at Cinderella and his neck extends like he's a goose. So what happens is his glasses pop out in front of him and his neck extends so that his face will fit the glasses again but Uh his body stays still and then we see him gulp and his Adam's apple is animated as traveling down from his head all the way down the extra long neck now it was very gross I 
hated it. It is very gross. And his short, squat, red-nosed wife is furious about this and grabs his long white beard and yanks it so that he is refocused again on her, I suppose. Mm. So I guess that's funny trope. That was a joke. The stepsisters are shocked and they turn a literal shade of emerald green and simultaneously pass out and their wigs fall off their heads and land on their faces. Then we see three guys with trumpets and they're kind of like pages. They're standing at the bottom of a big staircase. Everybody that we say is a page or an announcer in this will be wearing 13th century page boy clothes. So the really puffy shorts and tights with long shoes and sort of a tunic with the page boy haircut. Every single one, their theme is green and white. My note again with the three page boys trumpeting was again, no pants incidents, thank God. And we hear hail the prince. And then we see the prince. I spent most of my time in our second watch because we watched this together and then immediately said, oh, we have to watch this separately. There's no way. I would say I spent about half of my time just trying to describe the prince. I would like to say that the internet says that he is based off of Harpo Marx, which... That's what I found as well. Yeah, okay. Why don't you do a physical description? Because I just sat and looked at my screen for a long time and cried a little bit. So he's small. He's smaller. He's got a lot of curly orange hair. His eyes are going in opposite directions and his tongue is out the entire time he's on screen. If we're not mentioning that his tongue is out, just assume his tongue is out. His tongue is also out the side of his mouth, like a goofy dog. Yes. Not not the front of his mouth, like a gross panting dog, just out the side of his mouth, like an adorable. My new dog does is has this facial position the entire time. So it was weird for me. His clothes are also oversized. So everything's too big on him and is kind of dragging. He has an old-timey car horn attached to his belt that he squeezes for car horn noises and his very phallically tipped sword is dragging behind him so every time he walks it clanks loudly on the beat his nose is also very round and puffy he also somehow looks like he might be bald underneath the hair the clothes that he's wearing are also sort of regimentals and he's wearing a tall pointy crown much like the uh, evil queen in Snow White wears just that kind of narrow tall pointy crown and the indignity does not end with his shape he is hopping galloping sashaying how would you describe this movement I wrote that he jumps down to do 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 music Okay. He has a late motif that follows him, and it's very silly, kind of circusy, and the car horn squeaks during it, and there's a lot of cuckoo bird noises. Yes. So we're not gonna tell you that that's happening all the time, but dear listener, understand that happens all the time. If he's on screen, that's basically happening. If you don't enjoy that, too bad. So he runs to the top of the stairs skids to a halt honks the horn he has in his belt and then he marches in place for a little bit as though he is practicing walking down the stairs and then does walk down the stairs and it turns out that he does in fact need the practice because he trips and falls and tumbles down the rest of the stairs he rolls into the three pages who we just saw knocking them over like bowling pins like bowling pins rolls across the floor leaving a trail of smoke behind him his horn honks as he rolls he knocks over four more pages and manages to get himself rolled up into a green rug he then crawls across the floor like a caterpillar with his head and feet sticking out i have the verb down as inchy squinchies (laughs) um it's the scene from the disney cinderella where lucifer is stuck in the arm of a shirt or something and inchy squinches his way across the floor to the mice it's it's that he does he does that yes until he reaches a mustachioed guard who shakes him out and kind of stands him upright 
the prince falls into a middle split. There's a lot more cuckooing noises. Uh, there's like little stars going around his head. And then he gets up and he awards the guard a medal from his own chest. And then the guard gives the prince his mustache and places it on the prince, revealing that the guard has buck teeth and not like a whole lot in the chin area. The prince waggles the mustache on his face like one would waggle their eyebrows, mm -hmm. but with their mustache. Um, and then he takes it off and waves it in the air while tooting his horn. It's not a euphemism. He's just squeaking he just, the car horn and yep. waving his mustache in the air. Again, his very phallic sword is in full view this entire time. The stepsisters believe that he is waving to them, so they both wave their handkerchiefs back towards him. They're not green anymore, by the way. They're regular colored they again. They saw all of this, and they're still waving at him. Yeah, so because I happen to pause it on the scene, not only are they waving their handkerchiefs, but with their free hands, they're holding their free hands up with the two middle fingers down, rock on hand gesture. They think he's very cool. I suppose. I think this is another... Uh, point in favor of the time travel Cinderella. <laughs> so the prince literally gallops over towards them. We, we get clip-clop sounds as he runs. He's using his sword like a hobby horse. Indeed. And his eyeballs are just going haywire. Just pupils in all the directions. Tongue just la, 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 at the side of his mouth. But he goes directly past them to Cinderella, who is looking in another direction. And he bows to her and the stepsisters storm off. Well, as he bows, the tip of his sword lifts the dress of one of the stepsisters, revealing oh. her frilly um, bloomers. Bloomers. Yeah, the same gag that we got in the Betty Boop Cinderella. Yes. Which, the, so, okay, that makes less sense, though, because if they were wearing frilly bloomers and that was a funny thing, we would not have shown that Cinderella was wearing identical bloomers in the Betty Boop one her bloomers get transformed into a garter I don't know what to tell you I don't think this movie had that kind of consistency in mind I don't think it was aiming for anything All right. I think they thought bloomers are funny let's show bloomers okay. and they had that thought twice so it happened twice all right so Cinderella and the prince start doing another aggressively fast swing or Lindy or jitterbug so at this point, my, note, my notes point out that the sword is very wiggly. It's not made of metal. It's very flappy. It looks less and less like a sword, guys. Looks much less like a sword. And then we cut back to our framing device, which I've never been so happy to see. <laughs> Cinderella's on the phone and she says, You've never seen such a dancer, just like Fred Astaire, which I found very offensive. Also, agreed. But then we cut to Sadie, who is asleep. I love She's Sadie. She's passed out in bed. The phone is on the floor. Her arm is kind of hanging off the bed like maybe she was holding it at one point. She's definitely not holding it anymore. And you see the little squiggle lines coming from the phone to let you know that we're still hearing Cinderella coming through. And she goes, he fell for me like a ton of bricks and I'm crazy about him. And I'm telling you, Sadie, everything was just too, too divine. I love Sadie so much. I'm so happy that Sadie was in this movie and blessed us with her presence. Sadie's fantastic. And then we just cut right back to the ball. I don't know why we had that scene but they're doing that old timey one finger up dance where they kind of waggle their finger and bounce around that you see in cartoons. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is just standing in a circle watching them do it. Yep. Then Cinderella sees the clock off screen and runs towards it, uh, yelling, oh dear, it's nearly midnight and just looks around aggressively and blinks some more. Mm-hmm. The prince grabs her hands to keep on dancing and she says, no, 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 I must go. And she kind of rolls her eyes at him. Then they play tug of war with her for a little bit more where he pulls her and she pulls back and he pulls her. And I didn't like it. I didn't like the tug of war with the human scene. I was looking at her eyes the whole time 
because she kept moving them. I didn't even notice they were tugging. She was yeah. just rolling her eyes aggressively back and forth. That That is happening. I think that's supposed to... Um... <gasps> Do you think it was from the tugging? No, I think it's just distress. I think that they're trying to convey that she is distressed and her eyes are rolling in animalistic terror or something. Oh my god. I'm sorry, I really didn't like this. So then a cuckoo bird comes out on the little plank that they come out of, cuckoo clocks, and announces... When you hear the musical note, it will be exactly 12 o'clock. And a in very radio announcer voice. Yes, thank you. I was, it's a very deep voice. It's very professional sounding. I was shocked. It was not the sound I was in any way expecting from a cuckoo bird in a clock. It looks the way that films have like dream sequences and someone opens their mouth and instead of saying whatever they're saying in your dream it's whatever noise is happening in real life yes it felt like that I thought I was gonna wake up in the 30s that's such a good description that is what it sounded like thank you thank you for coming up with that you're welcome the cuckoo bird hits the prince on the crown with a mallet and then there's a chime and the prince sees stars and while that's happening Cinderella runs away and her shoe flies up and just slaps the prince in the face with a big, loud slapping noise. Mm-hmm. The music that we hear for just a brief second is the tune of Good Night Ladies, if that means anything to anyone. Oh, that's funny. Um, the drawbridge blowers and Cinderella races out to the sound of a slide whistle trailing smoke behind her. And she runs home just flailing her arms in the air. And I had to pause this and I noticed that the trees in the background all have horrifying faces on them. Yes, I noticed that too, because oh. I also had to pause it. And they're all, they have like jack-o'-lantern faces and yes. they're all screaming. They look like tortured ants. It was horrifying. Who was that for? You can't see it when you watch it in real time. I checked. Yeah, no, it's. It, it, this is definitely a subliminal thing you they wanted to somehow just convey horror in our minds without actually spending you know noticeable screen time on it but it's, it's a whole thing of trees that are partially dead and they have the cracked raggedy tops and just terrifying faces and Bad. she's running scary she's running home. it was scary I wasn't expecting it okay so I paused it because I was trying to write a note about the dress and her flailing her hands and all of a sudden there's just horrific nightmarish ants staring at me and I didn't appreciate it it's like we were being punished for watching it too closely that's maybe maybe that's what it is so she's running home she's flailing her arms in the air and her dress it her dress, the sound there's no there's no other way to describe this her dress farts itself out of existence. <laughs> Talon, if you can come up with a better way to describe what happens, uh, be my guest. I just wrote phonetically the sound in me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is capital P-H, small O, small O, three big O's, four small O's. It's a fart sound. Not, not a high fart or a wet fart, but a sort of a, a dry, loud fart twice. Yes. As the dress ceases to exist and she's back in her original dress, which is a, a brown raggedy t-shirt dress, essentially, with a white apron. During this transformation, she just, she does not slow down for a second. She keeps running. Her arms are still waving. And she's and, just booking it. Yep. And, and now we cut back to the framing device, which I don't know why we had to do that twice. I feel like we could have just stayed in the ball scene and then had a longer framing device moment, but... It was very disruptive. It was. So Cinderella's back on the phone and she says, did I have a time? But I left in such a hurry, I lost my slipper. And Sadie, I hear the prince wants to marry the goyle who owns it. Ain't it romantic? Sadie is snoring. I love Sadie. I love Sadie. So Cinderella heaves a big sigh and then the doorbell rings. Cinderella tosses the mouthpiece of her phone down and runs to answer her door, which is a barn door. It is the size of a barn door. It's a garage door. It's a massive. And two big footmen come in. These, 
these guys look like Cossacks. They have got, big black beards with mustaches. They, they're still wearing the page boy outfits. We told you that everybody was going to be wearing those and we weren't lying. But these they guys... They one outfit design. They did. and But these guys have big scraggly black beards and look like they've just hunted bears in Siberia. I was confused about their presence. The so, prince is also there standing between them. Mm-hmm. He's got the golden, not glass, slipper on a pillow in front of him. Cinderella, by the way, at this point is wearing one regular shoe on one foot and then one like foot is just in a sock and it's very pointy. Also, again, um, beloved listener, we haven't told you in the last two minutes that the prince has pupils rolling around independently of one another or that his tongue is lolling out of his mouth or that he's bouncing like a fool. But that, that is still happening. That hasn't stopped happening. The silly music is also playing the whoop, 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 whoop. Yep. So a guard asks Cinderella, does the slipper belong to you? While the prince nods because the prince doesn't speak because. Because he's based off Harpo Marx. Because Harpo Marx doesn't speak. I blinked on which Marx brother it was. Yeah. Harpo Marx, by the way, does not speak because he was bad at memorizing lines. He has a beautiful, deep voice. So Cinderella goes, does it belong to me? Look, it's a perfect fit. And she points at her pointy little foot. And then a gong noise and the genie smoke appears again right next to Cinderella. And Mae West is just there. Now at this point, we've seen a lot of Cinderella's have their fairy godmother show up just at this moment so they can transform them back into a fancy dress and bless their union, which is what we were both prepared to have happen it was the only logical thing but that's which not was what, our mistake yeah no we we trusted to tradition and it failed us uh dramatically so may west appears in her same may west outfit and goes just a minute dearie that slipper belongs to me and cinderella's eyes roll back in her head and she faints the prince leaps into may west's arms he does not leap he levitates he levitates there are a lot of verbs you could describe Um, she holds her arms out like a shelf for him at uh like chest height yes cinderella begins to recover faintly and glares at them from the floor may west carries the prince out like a baby Mm -hmm. and he is sweating hearts that pop like balloons in the air and may west says I always get my man. And then we're done. The screen goes dark and it says the end. It says the end. It's done. I mean, one, thank you. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus. I want this to be done. But what what was that? I have no idea why any of that happened. If I didn't know that the way that cartoons are made like the amount of work that goes into them would make this impossible but it almost felt like they wrote it without a script like they just animated it and then wrote a script maybe i do you think this ending was more or less disjointed than the dream ending of scroogerella where the three evil pig dogs show up to kidnap him before he can kiss the princess I didn't think this was disjointed. I just thought it was a weird tone. I thought that it worked. It was just very bizarre. You didn't think it was disjointed that the fairy godmother stole the prince and carried him off like a child? No, because I had at that point seen the prince. I also got, I also got Roger Rabbit and what's her face jessica rabbit jessica rabbit vibes but they haven't spent any time together he doesn't speak it's not like he's charming or funny also may west has been in movies with Cary grant he i don't know what it is when cinderella danced with the prince i didn't think that was very funny because he's like you know weird and childish and she's cinderella i was like eh, whatever 
but then when Mae West picked him up I was like this is hilarious I don't know what it is but this is like it crossed all the way over into funny again the idea that Cinderella was into him didn't tickle me the idea that Mae West is into him enough to fight for him that's hilarious I don't know what to tell you we had very different experiences well um that this movie is blessedly over now so i guess this is where we do highs and lows so um what are your highs and lows okay so my high is when may west first shows up because there is nothing that can describe the feeling of watching this not knowing that may west is going to be there and then seeing may west be the fairy godmother yeah i I can't disagree with that that's that was a very unique and special feeling that was the moment where I started like grinning while watching it and I'm like I'm still smiling just thinking about it that's so funny yeah I don't know maybe it's just the novelty of being able to get a joke that's you know 70 80 years old (laughs) but they picked somebody they made a reference that I got and I thought it was funny my low is definitely the prince just all of the prince when he showed up I was like oh okay I know where this is going now yeah. because if it had been like a studly prince I would have had no idea what would happen yeah but uh, I've seen this joke because they did in Mighty Mouse so how about you what are your highs and lows I think my highs are the backgrounds I thought the backgrounds of um, the exterior scenes with the castle and the night and the background of the ball scene with these beautiful arched columns and fluted roofs just it, it was gorgeous and even the terrifying end scene was really visually beautiful and unexpected so I think my highs are the backgrounds my low is also obviously the prince but if I'm going to pick a second low it's the mice <laughs> the, the labrador sized mice pulling a carriage what would you change about this movie if you could change one thing I would use the framing device a little more sparingly I think we had just a couple too many interjections and I thought that when they used it to build drama or to give us exposition at work but the one time that they used it in the middle of the ball it just cut the tension Mm -hmm. whatever tension there was and I thought It it made the pacing bad so I would just use that more sparingly and I would get a call back to Sadie at the very end. I want to know how she's doing. I just want to see her like laying in her bed, like snoring, having good dreams. I don't, I mean, I can't disagree with that. What about you? What would you change? I would have really liked if the prince had not been Harpo Marx. <laughs> um, That's so fair. Everybody else was at least reasonably or caricaturally human-based. And near the end of my notes, I realized why I was having such a hard time describing the Prince character. It's because he looks like a clown. He looks like an early clown that was completely terrifying with the curly hair and the rolling eyes and the wide open smile that's too big and the tongue that's rolling out. And it just looks an eldritch horror trying to masquerade in the human world and hiding itself in a tragically comedic clown at a carnival oh my god i didn't have a good time i didn't like the prince this is so telling here's how i would describe the prince (laughs) picture dopey from snow white dressed like harpo marks done like he's wearing a bad costume yeah our brains are very different places yeah yeah all right so would you ever watch this again oh yeah yeah this was a lot of fun I thought it was interesting I thought the animation was good I didn't like most of the character design but I thought this was good. I don't know. It's also only seven minutes, which I appreciate in a feature. Okay, I I admit that the brevity is a point in its favor. 
would you ever watch it again i might have to watch it one or two more times my husband might find this one bizarre enough to want to watch and i might have this in one of my i invite my pot smoking friends over and make them watch horrible movies so that they experience the same trauma that i did for fun parties so i I may wind up watching this some more but in an ideal world no in an ideal world i would not watch this again do you think our listeners should watch this yeah i think guys i think you should watch this this is a trick I think you should watch this. Don't listen to Talon Talon lies to you. <laughs> I thought it was fun. It was everything <laughs> that the Mighty Mouse Cinderella wasn't. You know what I was really happy wasn't in this movie, considering that it was a unholy union of the Betty Boop Cinderella and the Mighty Mouse Cinderella? A wolf. I was really happy that there wasn't a racist caricature in this. Oh my god, I guess wrong. <laughs> yeah, that made me really happy. I would have been fine if there had been a wolf. That's whatever. Wolves. Psh. But I was really happy that there wasn't a, a minstrel show caricature of any race at all. And I, I really liked that. I was, as soon as I realized which two Cinderella's we were inadvertently watching, I was concerned that there was going to be a moment that I was going to have to be really upset about extra really super upset about yeah this was like a great example of how you could have movies from the 30s and just not be racist in them yeah agreed we're not saying that this is like a diverse or inclusive cinderella it just passed the bar of not being actively racist yeah which we both appreciated yes i'm afraid to ask but what is your final grade for this movie I have no idea. I keep thinking about it. And in terms of my enjoyment, this is basically like an A or a B. But in terms of like, is this a good Cinderella? I don't think so. I don't think this is a very good, like, I don't think this is a very good cartoon. So I'm evening out at a C, but a C implies something average. And this is both better and worse than that. Just go with your gut. What would you give this movie? C minus. Okay. I have a technical question for you now. No, I take it back. It's not a C minus. I'm going with B minus. Okay. B minus. I have a technical question for you now. Given that we're on a strict plus or minus grading scale, do F pluses exist? No. No? Well, then what am I supposed to failure. Well, then what am I supposed to give? Um, Ella and Janet, because it's not an F, because an F is reserved for the ones that I hate and have no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And a D minus implies that it does not fail. So I think we have to have an F plus category of no, you fail, but you weren't abjectly the, you had a redeeming quality. Okay. Okay. I think an F plus is mean. (laughs) I think an F plus is mean, but my option is. I really don't think you can give an F plus because that would mean the possibility of an E. I don't feel fair failing this. The backgrounds were beautiful. The framing device was interesting. It was not actively racist and it did hit all the beats of a Cinderella. It hit most of the beats of a Cinderella. Let me rephrase. So I don't feel fair failing this one outright. So I guess I'm going to give this the lowest possible D minus that I can. You can give it enough plus. No, no, we're, we're doing traditional grades and traditional grades do not have F pluses. So I'm giving this a D minus, but I'm writing a sternly worded note home to its parents as well. Wow calling in the parents I'm, I'm calling in the parents this does not technically fail i guess well it's almost midnight so thank you for joining us if you liked this episode please leave us a rating or a review it helps other people find us and we think that's really cool 
We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at the Cinderella Podcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbity bobbity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult beverages and or substances in the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. So, Liv, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching another Cinderella story from 2008. This is the second in the franchise. I'm fairly certain it has nothing to do with the first one. And there are two more that currently exist. So there's four in total. There's going to be a fifth one coming out this year or next year, I think. Oh, dear um, God. Which I'm super excited about. So we're going to watch that. I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. Uh, I don't have high expectations, but I'm hoping that it will be fun. So I'm hoping for a bubblegum movie. Well, until then, we hope you have a happily ever after.